if you would, turn in your Bible over to Isaiah chapter 29. All right, this is a little Old Testament right here, right? I mean, sometimes he says it's super intimidating. All right? I'm going to start out the same way that I started out, and I think the whole summer we've talked about it. Anytime, I, I pray that anytime we wake up, we open our Bible, we have interaction with people, we're at work, we're at school, in our dorms, wherever it is that the driving force inside of us is the gospel of Jesus. And I know, you want to know what that is? That is like white noise in the church. Like, oh, gospel, yeah, of course, I know that. Here's what I know we know, the information of it. The the information will not help you. Just knowing information will not help you. You can know the Bible and the information in the Bible. I'm just going to tell you, it's not going to save you and it's not going to help you to just be somebody that knows the information without it coursing through your veins. And you want to know what's not going to happen? It's not a quick fix. All right? It just isn't. Okay? But I hope every time you read the Bible, you're looking at it. And maybe let's even, you know, you think of, well, gospel, I hear that all the time. Here's, when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, this is the greatest rescue plan in the world. Some of my favorite movies are watching people get rescued. Some of the most inspiring news stories are people getting rescued. Right? I mean, you, there's, there's people getting lost in caves. I, I don't know why so many people are being lost in caves lately, but they have been, and they've been rescued, okay? But you think about this, is that it is so inspiring when somebody goes in and rescues, and when you think of the gospel message, all right, it's this idea of God saying, I'm going to create you. I want this perfect, intimate union with you. Y'all screwed up. One him. And he said, in their worst moment, I still want them. In their worst moment. Can you think of your worst moment? Can can you think of the moment that you go, I don't want to think about that moment. I don't want anyone to know about that moment. I don't ever want to go back to that moment again. Could you imagine the creator of the universe going, no, no, but that's the one I want to rescue. Because it's not about their performance. It's because I love them. Right? He'll he'll deal with your performance later. Listen, a performance, when when we are fully in love with him, our performance, will being a disciple will be fine, okay? I even hate using that word, but it's the idea. We think he'll like us when we measure up, and I think we've all felt that before. Like, God will like me when I measure up. Could you imagine somebody rescuing you when you were at your worst, right? That's what he's saying, and not only that, but he says, I'm going to bring you to the safest place you'll ever be with me, the safest place to be in the open, the safest place to be real, the safest place to come and just be vulnerable and honest, the safest place to come and express your love, the safest place to have relationships. That's the gospel message, but just the information is like, oh, that's cool. That doesn't really change me a whole lot, but when it, when it flavors every part of how I interact with my family and my kids and my coworkers and all that kind of stuff, it makes a big difference right here, right? Let me turn on this little clicker. See if it gets going. I love this quote right here. The goal of the gospel, there is a goal to the gospel, and it's not just, hey, it saved me. And we get stuck on that. It's like, oh, I got saved. Now let's, uh, let's kind of live our own life, right? This is the goal of the gospel is to produce something, a type of people consumed with passion for God and the love for others. I, I just take a self-assessment right now. Would you, is that the, the report cards you would give yourself? I'm not talking about attendance. I'm not talking about, no, but Keith, you don't understand. I've never missed a church service. Okay? Not what I'm talking about. No, but I I study my Bible every single day. But but I do all these really good things. 
Are you consumed with passion for God and the love of other people? That's what the gospel's meant to produce. And if it isn't producing that, that means there's a, we're plugging into a source that might be a really good source. It might be a really neat source, but it's not Jesus. It may go by that name, but we've got to be really certain. It, even as Paul has said, we've got to go, understand the gospel he preached. Right? So I just want to start out with that before we get jumping into this is this idea of going, man, is my, am I gospel centered? Does this, does this epic story of rescue, does it affect me and who I am and how I interact with one another? Right? Because you know what ends up happening is, is when the gospel just becomes kind of like non-existent in our life, like it's just information, um, everything gets super blurry. Okay, everything, we start grasping for things like I need to find ways, and maybe you relate to this, I, I start thinking I need to find ways that are going to make me feel more spiritual. Like I need to go do some spiritual things because then that makes me feel more accepted, right? Except that's not the gospel message, all right? The gospel message is I'm compelled by the love of Christ, all right? I'm not out there trying to go, oh, no, no, but if I do five quiet times in a row and I go share my faith with five people and I give my money every single week, then I'm good. Then I feel spiritual, all right? Listen, we've become, we're all blurred out of the real message. We're trying to work our way in and thank God that that's not the gospel, right? I mean, so that's the point of this right here. This is something that I think is pretty provocative, you know, is this idea of the, the Christian atheist. I want to spend a couple minutes talking about that, okay? Is this idea of I say I'm a Christian, but I live like an atheist, okay? And, and, and I, the, here's the first thing that goes into most people's minds when we talk about that is, oh, you must be talking about people that go to church and live this horrific double life. No, I'm not saying that at all. I, I'm saying that, you all know what, you, you may have been a nice person your whole life. You, you may have stayed away from all of the, you know, sins of the world. And you feel great about yourself right now. You feel awesome because you're sitting here. You feel awesome because you're not like others. You feel awesome because you've made good choices. You feel awesome because you, know, you feel so good because you're a Christian. But there are certain things you're okay not being that Jesus calls us to be. It's, and we're going to dig into that a little bit. And, and I don't want you to get offended by that, okay? I mean, this is one of those things. Is he saying I'm an atheist? Are you saying I'm not saved? Are you saying, I'm saying you have some self-awareness, all right? I, I know we think that oftentimes it's like, no, 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 we got to go and help all this, these worldly people. And I'm going, man, I'm going to just tell you right here is, is we've got to help one another because we don't have it on straight totally. That's a really important thing, okay? If we're going, man, thank God I'm here and I'm not like those other people watching ESPN right now. Going, man, you all know what? There's a really good chance you might be in as bad a shape as they are. Let's get a self-awareness going on this, okay? Is, is this idea of a Christian atheist, you know, in Psalm 14, David writes this. He says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. I'll bet you, I'd be willing to bet um, Jacob's paycheck that no one in this room would say that verbally. All right, that you wouldn't say that God doesn't exist, okay? Now, hold on, there may be a couple college students going, no, Keith, you're wrong. I say, no, 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 just bear with me, okay? I'm just saying that most of the time, we give ourselves a pass because we say, I've never said those exact words. Well, David doesn't even say anybody says those exact words. He says the fool says in his heart. It's not verbal, right? It's this idea of going, no, 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 no. The way, what comes out of your life shows 
what you're telling the world, God doesn't exist. God doesn't exist. All right? That's exactly what he's saying. He says, that's what the fool does. All right? But I, I know it would be better. It would be so much better we could get on some other people. Right? But we've got to kind of think about this and come to a realization. Have I been living a life? And, and you all know what? I hope that you go, man, amen, no. I, I'm just saying the more I examine my life, the more I'm like, I have a lot of tendencies that really steer me towards this. Okay? I have a lot of tendencies that steer me towards having information and saying the right thing and knowing things and then justifying not necessarily following Jesus completely, right? We're going we're gonna to dig into some of these here. In John 5, 38, um, Jesus is telling the Pharisees, he says, you don't have his word living in you because you don't believe the one he sent. Now, I want to kind of call your attention to something. He doesn't say you don't believe in the one he sent. He said, you don't believe the one he sent. There's, there is a difference with that. Okay, One is, no, I believe in Jesus, but do you believe Jesus? Like when Jesus is teaching, do you go, no, no, that what he says is right. Okay, He says, the word isn't living in you because you don't believe the one he sent. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, but they testify about me. And he says, you aren't willing to come to me so that you can have life. All right? He says, man, you study your Bible like crazy. You know the Greek, and you know the Hebrew, and you know the, you, you know, inside and out. You can, you can do all kinds of stuff with, you name it. You know every story. You know the background. You know all that kind of stuff. He says, but you're missing. Jesus is saying, I'm in that, and you won't come to me. Right? This isn't a story just to have information. He's like, no, the word isn't living in you because you're just not coming to me and going, Jesus, I'm here. I hear you. Teach me. Right? Because what he's calling us to be is his followers. All right? Not his, not his like, co-pilot. Like, Jesus is going, man, this world would be a whole lot better if I can just get a couple more co-pilots. He's going, no, I need people who are going to go, Jesus, teach me how to live. Teach me how to love. Teach me. I want to do what you did on this earth. Okay? And just, again, far too often, we can just kind of veer and go, no, but I study my Bible. But I do spiritual things. But I do, but there's a difference between doing that and coming to Jesus. All right? This is a big one right here. This is kind of, as we're looking at it, it this, we're going we're gonna to read Isaiah 29. I'm going to share a couple of my thoughts with you. But I also want you to remember that, that this section of Scripture in Isaiah 29 is God's declaration. Okay, This isn't Keith's thoughts. Why don't you be very clear on that? You're going, oh, man, that's, Isaiah 29 is really great. Um, you know, I'm glad Keith shared it. It has no, you know, power whatsoever. I'm saying, no, this is God talking. All right, I'll share some of my thoughts. Um, we're going to get started here, but oftentimes this is kind of the starting point of Christian atheism, is the idea of you have a Christian brain, like you can defend the faith, right? But you have an atheist heart. Like you'll defend the faith. You'll tell people why Christianity is the way to go. You'll tell everybody why Jesus is the way, why you hate your neighbor, right? You'll have all of these ideas of, man, no, 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 I know, I know this stuff, but I don't like Muslims. No, 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 I I know all this stuff. I, I know about Jesus and why he would never vote Democrat. I don't like those people. I don't like people that think differently than me. I don't like people that are messy. I don't like people that 
don't look like me, right? And at the same time, we can have this Christian brain of going, no, but Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. But I hate my neighbor. (laughs) And I hate my boss. And I complain about all the things that God gives me. Christian brain, atheist heart, right? Isaiah 29, this this is God saying, folks, Get, get a sober self-assessment, all right? He's telling his people in Jerusalem, he's saying, he, he's, he's telling them, he's saying, woe to you, okay? Now listen, don't feel bad. This is the first thing, oh, Keith, you're making me feel bad. Dude, this is the gospel, okay? I mean, I'm just saying that if, if all we ever want is like, no, God, just tell me like how awesome I am all the time. Really, don't tell me when I'm doing something wrong. I hate doing wrong things, and then I feel bad, and then I have to pout, and then it's God's fault. If God didn't tell me those things, I wouldn't pout. I'd be happy, right? I mean, come on. We got to, like, hear this, okay? And, and, and he starts here, and, and I'm going to jump on down because uh, he's, you know, he's, he's telling them this whole story about, about how they've kind of veered away from him. In, in uh, verse 9, uh, God's word to Isaiah, um, stop and be astonished. Isn't it amazing how wonder goes away? Wonder in God goes away when we just have this kind of like disobedient heart. The wonder of God goes away. He goes, just stop and be astonished. He says, blind yourselves and be blind. You're going, what on earth? Why would you say that? Okay, well, he's going to tell you right here. He says, they're drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with beer, for the Lord has poured on you an overwhelming urge to sleep. Okay, and you're going, oh my goodness, I feel that. I, I sleep all the time. I'm, just, I'm in trouble with God. He has done this. But, but he's saying, how you live, it's made you like you're inebriated. You have no wonder in your life. You stagger around. You, you just are out of sorts, okay? And he goes on. For, the, for you, the entire vision will, like, will be like the words of a sealed document, okay? Could you imagine if... If you got God's word given to you and it was sealed, you can't see it. And he's going, no, but that, that's the information it's going to take for you to have a relationship with me. You go, but it's sealed. I can't open it. How discouraging that would be. He said, well, you want to know what? When you're, when you're not loving God, when it's not about the gospel, when it's not about the good news, when you kind of take your own way and you kind of have this maybe Christian mind, or in this case, the Israelites kind of have the mind of God, but not the heart. He says, you're like a drunk person. You're like somebody staggering around. You're like somebody who you can't even read the book that I'm giving to you. If it's given to the one who can read and he is asked to read it, he'll say, I can't read it because it's sealed. And if the document is given to the one who can't read and he's asked to read it, he'll say, I can't read. I've become just illiterate. That would be a scary place to be, wouldn't it? When you open the word of God and you're going, I can't read this. I don't get this. I don't understand it. Okay, He's saying like this is the path when it's not about the good news of God, when it's not about the sovereignty of God, when it's not about the mightiness of God, when we've done kind of strayed off into our own path. And he says, the Lord said, because these people approach me with their mouths, this is what they're doing. This is why he's going, you guys are like drunk people. You guys are like, Ill, like, like illiterate folks. He says, because when you come to me, th- this is what happens is uh, you honor me with lip service, but your hearts are far from me. You you honor me with lip service. He says, that's why this has become this way, because you say things. But there's no affection for me in your heart. And you don't have to be a mushy guy, right? 
You don't have to be like all into romance, you know, Nicholas Sparks movies and all that. You don't have to be in all that, go, keep it. I just don't feel love like that. Believe me, you feel affection, right? And, 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 and the, the, the gruffest, hardest people in the world have deep affection for their children and their spouses and their families and all that kind of stuff. And he's saying, man, you guys, he's saying, guys, you say things, but there's no affection for me in your heart. You've got a, you got a Christian head, but you've got an atheist heart. They're far from me. It, this is the part, this is what I would say. If you're going, like, you may be fighting with everything you have right now to go, I am not hearing this. I will not hear this. I am a good person. So, so I might have a couple things hidden away. I might have, a, but listen, I'm compared to other people, I'm a good person. No, I'm not hearing this. I am. I love the church. I'm not hearing this. No, no, I'm positive. I love my brothers. I will not hear this, okay? Here's what I'm going to ask you. Please hear this, okay? Please, please open your ears, all right? Because I guarantee you, the Israelites weren't all of these, like, just, uh, you named the, the worst of the worst people running around. Uh, there was a lot of good people, I'm sure. There was a lot of religious people. There was a lot of people that meant really well. There was a lot of people that probably in some way, shape, or form like, no, but I really want to be with God, but I don't really know how to. Okay? I mean, that was, that was prevalent. So I'm just saying, just, just listen to it and go, man, have I strayed into this where, where there's no compulsion in my heart because of the love of Christ? Like, I don't want to... Like, I'll do the practicals to stop sinning, but I don't have a compulsion to stop sinning. Like his love isn't making me think that, no, look, I need to stop treating people that way because he doesn't treat me that way, okay? is when we don't have that compulsion anymore, that affection for Jesus, but we are more than happy to say, but if you give me like three things to do and turn it into a spreadsheet of checkboxes, then I'll do that. That, It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being compelled by the love of Christ. In this case, being compelled by the love of God. God is talking to people that he rescued. He's talking to people that were in slavery. And he said, no, 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 I I will get you out of slavery. I will move rivers to get you out of slavery. I will move seas to get you out of slavery. I will give you everything you need. I'll give you shoes that don't ever wear out. I'll give you all the food you need. And he's being rejected. And he's saying, man, this, this is what I want. Don't just come to me and go through the motions, right? Don't do that. And it goes down further. He, he, as we read down, he says, woe to those who go to great lengths to hide their plans from the Lord. They do their work in darkness and say, who sees us? Who knows us? You've turned things around as if the potter were the same as the clay. How can what is made say about his maker, he didn't make me? Or how can what is formed say about the one who formed it, he doesn't understand what he's doing? All right, this is huge. I'm just saying, hey, get some self-assessment here, man. I mean, this has been really powerful for me because this has been a huge area of my spiritual life that is coming to life. I mean, I've been a disciple for like 20 years. This is coming into clarity now of how often I order God around. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like when I pray, I've, listen, I've learned to pray spiritual things. 
But there's, and, and that's where I can justify my prayers. God, what I need you to do is this. Do, do, you, do you hear how prideful that is? Because what I'm finding is my motivation is I want God to do his spiritual things to make me happy. To make me less nervous. To make me less overwhelmed. And there may be a really good chance God is going to keep you. I don't know where you need to be overwhelmed right now. Like, I want you right there, okay? It's like I totally can miss the boat of going, oh, but Job was different, but Paul was different, but these other, they were different than me. I have the power, and then when God doesn't give me relief immediately, I'm like, what's wrong with him? Do you, do you see how dysfunctional that relationship is? It's the same idea of the clay going, the, how silly that illustration is. I don't know if anybody makes clay pottery anymore. I mean, probably some students do in clay class or something. Do they have that? <laughs> is that? Oh, it's art. Okay. <laughs> clay class. Mark that off. You can use that in the banquet right there, okay? <laughs> clay class, okay? It's art. Just for those that didn't know, I just want to help them out. <laughs> There's some people that didn't know that. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Could you imagine, like, making some clay pottery, and the pot goes, dude, you, you ain't got no game with clay pottery. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You don't get how to make pottery. Can you imagine? what the, That's unimaginable. And God says, see, that's what happens, though, is when, is when we may adhere to, in this case, God followers, in our case, Christ followers, right? We may adhere to that as a creed, but then we're going, God, you don't understand. You, you don't understand. I'm in a dating relationship. Like, I'm going to marry this person. It's okay to be immoral. No, 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 you don't understand. I mean, but everybody else going and getting drunk. It, it's cool if I do it. It's, it's all right. No, you don't understand. I can't forgive that person. It's too hard. Like, God, you don't understand. Right? He's saying, this is, these are the seeds of Christian atheism. Is when he just doesn't understand. He doesn't understand you. He doesn't understand your season of life, does he? And so you have to tell him what to do. God, you know how to make, this is my prayer life. God, here's, and, and I do it in a very Christian way. But God, this is how you can make my life really, really good. And I'm going to use your code. I'm going to use your words, okay? I'm not asking for Corvettes. I learned not to do that like 10 years ago, right? I'm not asking for the lottery. I'm not asking for material things. Like, I'm asking for things that really deep down, it's going to go, man, it's going to validate me as a minister. It's going to validate me as a disciple. Like, it's, it becomes more about me. And I'll bet you anything, if you think through your prayer life, I'll bet you anything, there's probably a little bit going on in your own prayer life. I'll bet you anything on that, where you're ordering God around. God, how come you're not changing this in me how come this is difficult how come i'm not and 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 you might just be pouting right now that might be the only symptom you might just be pouting you might just be sitting here going oh gosh when's god going to hear me and he's so impotent and he's so like unpowerful and he's so like unwilling to help me and god is like dude you have be astonished you you have lost sight of the grandeur of god all right? This, this is just how it is. That we start knowing better than God. And, and this is a huge one. So we read through this. A lot of times when we read the Old Testament, we read the parts, and many of you, and I know I have, um, you've described the Old Testament in, in uh, well, I'll let you answer. How would you have described the Old Testament in a way that might not be as accurate 
as it really is. What are some of the descriptions we use of the Old Testament? You have something. I can tell, Liz. What do you got? Because you have that look like I have the right answer right now. How do you describe the Old Testament? I've described it as boring, irrelevant, right. not needed. Right. No, not me, the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> the same? Okay, good. Well, I'm in good company. I think a lot of people see as angry. Yeah. God is so angry. It's a good thing he had Jesus. <laughs> it's a good thing Jesus came around to make God a Christian. Because <laughs> he's so angry, and he's so boring, and he's so irrelevant. And it's the complete opposite. Because oftentimes we read like this part, and we're going, oh my goodness. And he's, he's getting on me, and he's so angry with me, and he's all this stuff. And we forget that, and this may be the part where, where the Christian brain and the atheist heart gets really messed up is because we forget that God is redeeming right now. Like God is a redeemer. God's goal is I want to redeem you. I want to save you. I want you to be with me. I want everyone to, I want that. Like that's why he didn't zap us up. You know, you get baptized, get zapped up. He didn't, he's like, no, 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 you got, y'all need to stay down there because I'm redeeming people. Okay. And he goes on right here in Isaiah 29 and, uh, and uh, we'll read starting in verse 17 uh, down to the bottom. Isn't it true that in just a little while, Lebanon will become an orchard? And an orchard will seem like a forest? On that day, the deaf will hear the words of a document. And out of deep darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. The humble will have joy. Like, you've got to kind of stop at that one, right? Like, the humble will have joy. God isn't going, man, you can just kind of live your own life, and I'm going to zap you with joy. He says, no, the, the humble will have joy because they'll, they'll realize, oh, my goodness, what has happened? What are we doing? Why are we saying one thing and doing another? Why, why am I adhering to all of these things and I forgot about my affection for God? Why, why can't that? That's what the humble will do. The humble will have joy after joy in the Lord and the poor people will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless one will vanish, the scorner will disappear, and all those who lie in wait with evil intent will be killed. Those who with their speech accuse a person of wrongdoing, who set a trap at the gate for the mediator and without cause deprive the righteous of justice. He just described everything against the character of himself. Okay, you ever want to kind of find good news in this? He just described the opposite of him. Okay, let, let, let me read that again, okay? The ruthless one will vanish. God is not ruthless. The scorner will disappear. All those who lie in wait with evil intent will be killed. Isn't it sad that oftentimes people ascribe to God evil intent? He said, no, 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 see, that's not me. I'm the opposite of that. Whatever the opposite of that is, that's God saying, no, that's me. They're not going to be in this kingdom. Those who with their speech accuse a person of wrongdoing and set a trap at the gate for the mediator and deprive the righteous of justice. Okay? God said, I'm not any of those things. Okay, that's where we find good news, even in hard things. It's really important. Therefore, the Lord who redeemed Abraham said this about the house of Jacob. Jacob will no longer be ashamed. His face will no longer be pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands within his nations, they will honor my name. They will honor the Holy One of Jacob and stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who are confused will gain understanding and those who grumble will accept instruction. It's, this is one of the, those messages that when you think about it, you're like, this is the most beautiful thing. That God could be lashing out 
that God could just be like, I'm done for good. I have nothing to do with you. There's no, I quit. I'm not going any further. And it's like, no, actually, there's, there's hope. I'm redeeming you, okay? You know what ends up happening is when, that's, when that message right there, if, if you're falling into the, the realm of like Christian atheism, what ends up happening is, is you, you think God has stopped redeeming people. Okay? And so there's no thought put into hospitality. And I don't mean in your home. I mean like warm and welcoming to people. There's no thought put into being a servant where I work. There's no thought putting into me like repenting and forgiving. and all. There's no thought put into it because you've stopped believing this redemption in the world. You don't believe that God is working right now in your job to redeem people. Like when, you, when you're a Christian atheist, you stop believing that God does that. And so if he's not redeeming anymore, why should I be warm and outgoing? Why, why, should I, why should I let my light shine? Why should I serve people? Why should I go and help? Why should I proclaim the gospel? Why should I be others focused? Why should I do those things? Because Christ is a redeemer. But when we forget that, we just get in our own world. And it's like, this is just me. And God doesn't understand me. And I've got it really hard. And if other people knew that, they would know why I'm not like outgoing. But, but I'm shy, man. I'm shy. Keith, I'm shy. Here, here's the deal. This is not about shy and not shy. This is about Jesus saying, love others as I have, as I have loved you. Okay, this is, this is about Jesus going, no, no, this isn't shy, not shy. Don't hide behind that. This is, as I have loved you, go love others. All right? That, that's so important that we remember this, okay? Uh, because, and, and again, this may be the part you go, man, I don't even consider God redeeming anyone where I work. I'm just trying to get through the day. Or in my class. Or my, te- my kids' teachers. My neighbors. That my friends, like I don't consider it all that God's trying to help them because they're all rotten. I'm just trying to be good and stay away from them. But that's a sad place to be. That's where we are, though, man. We, it, it, oftentimes in Christianity, we have, we have gotten a defensive posture, which is like, stay away from sinners. They're going to taint you. I'm going, hold, on, uh, oh, hold up a minute. I'm glad Jesus didn't subscribe to that when he was messing with me. Okay, so there's no way I can go, no, 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 it was cool because I was a really good guy and that's why Jesus got in there. But he wants me to be like, no, 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 keep the sinners away. I'm like, you're reading a different gospel than I'm reading. Okay, and so we just got to think about these things, all right, and get a, get a good self-assessment of this. We got to get, listen, here's the thing is, the hardest part of getting the ball rolling is the start. That's the hardest part, man. I mean, you got to expend all of your energy getting something big going. And once it goes, it goes, all right. But, man, you've got to start somewhere. It's just not listening to this message. That's not a starting point at all, okay? But here's the deal is, is it surprises me so much, and I see it when, I, when, when this stuff is creeping into my life, I see how not intentional I am spiritually. Meaning, like, if I believe Christ is a redeemer and I want to go and, and like, join him in his work this week, it would probably make sense for me to kind of think about that beforehand. Like, who do I know? There are a lot of people I'm going to meet this week that I don't know who they are yet. But there's a lot of people I'm going to come in contact with that I know I'm going to come in contact with. My neighbors, the baristas at Starbucks, that you name it, all-in coffee shop, all of the great places, campus. And if I'm not intentionally starting now and going, okay, who are those people? God, let me pray. If I don't have any idea of, like, what I'm even going to dig into God's word, 
then, then how on earth is it going to be fulfilling? How is it on earth is it going to be just like, I hope it's something good today? I'm so bored in my quiet time. Because we're not intentional oftentimes. That's not the only reason. But we just don't have a plan. We don't stop for 30 minutes to go, okay, this week I'm going to be intentional about loving. I'm going to be intentional about serving. I'm going to be intentional about getting my heart right about where I'm going this week. So it's just not like, oh, I hate work. I hated it so bad. Let me just get through. This is rotten. I can't believe what was God thinking. He doesn't understand. Isn't that what Isaiah said we say? If God only understood, he would have, you know, my salary would be higher. My hours would be lower. If God really understood, he'd know the plight, man. We've got to be. This is the thing, man. If there isn't time, if you're not setting time aside today to figure out, okay, who, man, where does my heart need to get right this week? You know, what needs to happen in my life spiritually, in my quiet times, in my prayer times? Who do I need to love up on? Who are the people that God has injected me into their lives that I need to reach out to? And I need to make sure those phone calls are happening and the text messages are happening. Okay. These are, these are three things of just intentionality. These, this is what, for me, is helpful, okay? First one is this, is, is not knowing Hebrew, okay? But, but Yahweh, it, we, we miss out on this, is, is this idea of Jesus introduced himself as I am, right? Jesus said that in, in the Gospels, I am this, I am that. And he used the same word that God introduced himself to Moses with, I am, okay? And a part of that word is Yahweh. And you know what's really cool about that, that word is it means the uncreated. Being from being. It means there was no star. It is the coolest name you could possibly give. And he, he introduced himself and said, no, no, I'm the uncreated. Can you imagine that? Say, who, who made God? He says, Yahweh, I am. I'm uncreated. That's why I could invent time. And that's why I can invent these things. You should be blown away. When he introduces himself, it should blow us away. Just be blown out of the water. And then what's funny is that name becomes Joshua. It becomes Jesus. And so when Jesus starts introducing himself as I am, I am this, it's like, oh my, boom, wow. Here's the deal is, though, if we don't know him more progressively every day, and when I, when I mean know him, I mean, if you really want to, go back to, like, Go back to Exodus 3. Go back to Exodus 34 when God introduces himself to someone. Go back and say, how do you, God, how did you introduce yourself to people? How did you do it? He said, that's, that's my guy right there. That's the one I'm serving. That's who the gospel's about. That, the, the enormity of God and just the intentionality of every day, man, I've got to, I've got to like drive it in and pray about that and, and meditate on that, Okay. And then I've got to remember, he is calling me to do something that's hard oftentimes. Because he's asking me to, to leave me. All right, to, to leave the bitter, unforgiving, cynical Keith. That's what he's asking me. He's saying, no, 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 Keith, there's a mission for you. And, and, I'm, I, and, and you're, you're going to be my, my guy that I want you to follow me. And he's saying the same to you. But he's saying, I'm gonna, there are going to be some things you've got to obey. Sometimes we forget about that. We think, well, I read some really great stuff. What did he call you to do, though? Like, as you read, what would Jesus say? Listen, this is what needs to happen. Like, what is the obedience? Okay, what is that thing that you're going, okay, I hear you, God. I'm obeying this today. This is is a huge part of overcoming Christian atheism. 
And, and this third one is just a, more of a prayer issue. Okay. Um, this, is, this has been so, I feel, helpful to my heart. Um, instead of me telling God where he needs to go work, you know what I have to do? I ask God if I can join him in his work. See, I'm not his foreman. <laughs> hey, God, you know what? You need to work over here. Uh, so I'm going to go over there and you be with me, okay? That is very different than God. I, I just pray that I can be worthy. Please let me join you in your work because he's working right now. He's working here and he's working in your school and he's working in your household and he's working in. He, he is not sitting around going, oh, who is that in the household down there? And where does that so-and-so work? And what's Clemson Elementary School like? And what's Daniel High School? He's not doing that. He's like, man, I got things going that you don't even know I've got going. But there's a humility of starting out the day and saying, God, please let me join you in your work. And I want to get my heart right with you, but please let me join you. Show me today where, where you're at work, where I can serve, right? And I guarantee you, you know what changes? You start living purposefully. You start living like, oh, man, you mean the trip to the supermarket or to the, to the pharmacy or the trip to school or the bus ride or whatever it is isn't just a bus ride anymore. It's like, God, man, I know you're working in here. Can you just let me join you, All right? These are three things that are going to hopefully get the ball rolling. This isn't the magic bullet. You're going, okay, if I do these three things, it's all good. No, no, no. This gets the ball rolling, okay, for us to talk about.